Welcome to Altered State of Affairs, the podcast with Gerald Kazimov, produced by the team at CasSource and part of the CasSource Podcast Network. Altered State of Affairs, the novel also by Gerald Kazimov, is available at your favorite bookstore, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble Online, and most local and indie bookstores. Chapter 16 is, no spoiler alerts, obviously someone who just heard it knows what's happening, but I say that because this is like a plot twist chapter. I think we gave you a present with a notebook and on the front of the notebook, it says plot twist. Right. And in writing, it's so important to like, what you think you know, all of a sudden you don't know and the plot just changes on you. And as you're reading that and I'm listening, I'm just caught up in it because it's awesome, right? And there's so much happening. There is a lot happening. There's a lot happening in plot twists and jabber. And a lot anyone I've talked to about the book always brings up jabber. He plays in a vital role in this book. And people joke about him, people laugh, people just whatever that is. Like, you remember thinking about this guy Jabber and coming up with the character, the name, like how this all came to be, because Jabber is like <laughs> maybe nobody likes him, maybe they love him. I don't know, but he's definitely a fascinating character. <laughs> yeah, me too. People have said that they were sorry to see him go because he was so charismatic with all his stuff and everything else. But on the other hand, when he turned and when I found out he turned and my mission was to take him out, there was a lot of soul searching going on. You know, I mean, it was gut wrenching for, for Stephen. He had never killed anybody before. He was a trained killer, but he had not really done it yet. You know, he was trained. Psychologically, it was very difficult for him. It just reached his very innards. And there's a friend that I have whose name will be anonymous, who doesn't stop talking and who just, I don't know, I sort of got this spirit of jabber from him. And, <laughs> and sometimes I felt like I would like to take him out too, <laughs> only because he talks a lot. But not that he was a traitor or anything like that. I don't know. I mean, jabber is. Um, total fictional character. He's not like some of the people in the book that were real people. I don't know. I mean, Jabber grew on me too. And as I said before, you know, I go where my characters take me. And it was not a predetermined thing to have to terminate them. It sort of happened. And I need attention. Tension is very important in a book to hold the attention of the reader. I don't care if you're writing a book about recipes. You need some grand thing in that recipe to make it a bombastic, fantastic thing that you'd want to eat. Well, the recipe for Jabber was disaster. I mean, he made his own bed. He was a traitor, and he had to be taken out. But the way it came about with the bed of poppy, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, your mom and I had been traveling in France, and we saw a field of, of poppies, and we have pictures of it. Never forgot the image that stuck in my mind. I mean, there's red poppy and white poppy and everything, but the red poppy was like spectacular. So I don't know. I have certain things in my brain where I can recount and then sort of mix and match. But Jabber, yeah, Jabber talked a lot. Yeah. Jabber talked a lot. Yeah, he had to go down. Definitely. It's your experiences, like traveling, seeing the field of poppy and you know, all that, that allows you to create this story. It's your experiences, your life, your vision 
your visual that you had, there's a lot of conversation right now with AI yeah. and chat GPT. And now chat GPT-4 comes out and fascinating stuff. And chat GPT-4 can do all of these amazing things, but it didn't live your life. It doesn't have your experiences. So only right now at this moment works when you give it your visuals, you give it the context, right? You have to take it back and let me give you context of when I was in this city and what I saw here and I want to create the scene and maybe ChatGPT can help you write the story. But your experiences matter in all of this. Any author, any creative, like if you're having a podcast and we're going to have a conversation about it and the history that I've been through and things that I've seen that only I could talk about and only you can talk about. And then we can mesh those things together in a conversation and who knows where that takes you. You're absolutely right. I mean, I have these things, you know, these images, images, feelings, senses, smells of things that I saw as a child or recently. And when I think about something, I will draw up that image just to give me a sense that I can write about it. We haven't even discussed the second book yet, but there's a villa in Cyprus that I sort of imaged Navia in Anguilla, where it was that kind of a setting that I used that setting to transmit to the reader as best I could. You'll see that. Yeah. Well, there's this line that you use in the chapter, life is an enigma. You never know. And I've been thinking a lot about how I'm finding a lot of nonfiction in the fiction books that I read. There's a lot to learn and take away. And that's you in some way almost writing a nonfiction line. It's part of the book, right? It's related. But does that make sense that your learned experiences, your knowledge, your wisdom is being brought out? And I don't know, it's just a fascinating line to like, it just makes you think. Like you can think about it in regards to the story that you're telling that Stephen is like, man, you just never know what's going to happen next. But then you could also take it away from the story and apply it to just a certain situation you might be going through in life right now, whatever that might be, and be like, wow, you just never know. Does that make sense when I say I'm like, I'm finding a lot of nonfiction inside of fiction, a lot of wisdom? Yeah, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, in fiction or nonfiction, we're human beings and we can fictionalize something or other, but in the sense of life, I mean, it's a crapshoot. Who knows what's going to happen? And who knows what is going on extraneously around you? Like, you know, I thought Jabra was my best friend. He was there. We were having a ball. And then all of a sudden, he was a fake. So in that regard, you never know. You go out and get hit by a bus. But you can't live life like that. I mean, you have to live life. The, the present is the present. I mean, you can't be fearful of tomorrow. Tomorrow will come. Yeah. I used to have a sign. I don't know where I got it, but I know what it is, is today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody wrote that. I thought it was great. great. I had like a little poster in my room growing up. And it is. So you worried about yesterday. Here it is. And you're going to be fine. So you can't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will come soon enough. Today is the day. Yeah. Stephen seems to live. You tell me like where you think he lives in that because it seems like he's got... He has anxiety, but then he doesn't. Like he's willing to just do whatever he has to do and he's taking on life as it comes at him. And no doubt he's also going through stuff that not the average person will ever go through and he's doing it at a rapid pace. 
what he's doing. And we'll, we'll get into that more, obviously, as he starts to make this journey that he's going on. And this, like, also his past is, like, almost changing before his eyes. Like, he didn't know what his past was. So we'll get into that as well at some point. But that psychology of this character is also a fascinating part. One of the most fascinating parts of this book of, like, where is he living in the moment? Or is he really worried about what's going to happen next. Like, how do you see Steven? And maybe this is the beginning of it as here he is out and facilitator. Like now he's just on a new mission. <laughs> well, he is, you know, and one thing about this book, it transcends time. It goes from him as a kid back in the sixties and BAT stuff. And it goes to modern day warfare. And so it's sort of a, it's a time traveling kind of thing. And is it real? Is he Stephen real? Is he living in the moment today? Or is he living from yesterday and the future? The reader has to decide that. And then we've got Cindy, the inward looking doll who's very focused on the past and she can tell the future. Then. So I don't know. Stephen is almost like a comic strip character. He makes a lot of decisions based upon his sexual desires for Abra. And he's always left short. Avra like keeps him <laughs> at bay. So I don't know. Will they ever consummate? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we'll see. But Stephen has fears, his phobias, like a lot of people. But he is able to overcome this, and that took place in the training that he went through: his claustrophobia, his phobia heights, and all this other stuff. So he perseveres, which is a good thing. Yeah. And he admits to his shortcomings. So once you admit to your shortcomings, then you're able to, you can try to harness the fear. Yeah. Not easy, but this is a whole nother story. He keeps going because he knows, you know, if you back up a little bit into some, a previous chapter, I believe, that he's going to have to take Jabber out, right? This has got to come to an end. And lucky for him, Jabber slips, falls, and he's going to maybe die on his own. And Stephen has to finish the job, right? And, you know, that's something. But maybe it's something along the lines of, if you just keep going forward, good things can happen. And the good thing that happened is Jabber took care of himself almost. And he kept showing up. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thunk? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So when we get into the next chapter, it's a continuation of this, and it brings Jabber to a glorious conclusion. Chapter 16. This is not happening. Jabber, I call out. Say something. Anything. Need to find you so I can help. Suddenly I hear a moan, and then another. Jabber, talk to me. Do something. I took first aid courses, and I can save you. Don't know where you are. Come on, Jabber, fart or fuck off. Uh, I'm here. Rescue me. Focus. Need your help. Forget about the goddamn phobias. My life is in your hands, she pathetically pleads. It sure is. He doesn't know the half of it. Can't even manage my own life. I need you to help me. To help you, Jabs. Come on. Give me a sign, I say. Anything, you fucking asshole. Where are you? Look down, you prick. Look down, he moans. Where? Thinking he has the drop on me. Here, over the edge, he groans. Finally, see him about three stories below, propped up like a pig on a stick. Oh, shit, Jabs, I guess. Yep, is all he can muster. How'd you get down there, I ask, incredulous. What happened, Jabs? Slipped. 
Rickon Ledge landed on my back, he mutters. Need your help to get out of here. Jabber, hold on, I'm coming. Hang in there, I encourage him. I don't trust this fucker, not at all. He's trying to kill me. Concentrate, it's him or me. Live or die. A dazzling canvas. Jabber lying in a spectacular bed of red poppies like a breathtaking Monet. What a magnificent sight. My pardon. A fucking flame-haired double-agent motherfucker spread eagle on a natural flowering ledge protruding from a 12,000-foot vertical cliff with the Great Pyrenees as a backdrop. God exists. Coming, Jabber, as I grab my special knife from the backpack and unravel the nylon repelling device. Be there in a minute. Life is an enigma. Sometimes you just never know. Repelling along the eye-shattering escarpment, the realization of the moment becomes rather amusing. Shakespeare cleverly wrote tragedies and comedies in the same vein, not differentiating the two. The splendor just opposed over the calamity of the situation simultaneously and transparently emerges as an exquisitely stunning contradiction. How peculiar to witness God's creation, earth and man, in such a glorious panoramic dichotomy. Endeavoring to rescue my buddy from a certain outcome seems suddenly hysterical, not tragic, as some would perceive. Plummeting into the gorgeous yet out-of-place poppy field, all I can see is red, lovely blood red everywhere. Wow, this is mighty fine. What a perfect day to be alive. Why do I have to kill him? Never killed anyone before, let alone my best friend. Should talk to him first. Maybe, perhaps there's a reason. We'll try to get some information. He may have important names or events. His bosses turned agents and his ultimate mission, you know, shit like that. Jabber looks so peaceful. I'm aghast. Is he faking? Can't take a chance as I slowly remove my bench-made griptilian from its sheath and carefully approach, not taking my eyes off him for a second. I don't trust the fucker. You look okay, Jabs. Probably knocked the wind out. Sound much better now, I say. You're right, he agrees. Just stunned. Here, give me a hand, sticking out his right arm for assistance. Ah, uh, before I help you, I offer, maybe you should purge your soul. Startled. What are you talking about, Stephen? He gasps. You know, I say with disgust, help yourself a little. Repent your sins, ass, so we can make a deal. Don't know what you mean, he replies, baffled. Tell me the real story, I demand. How did you come to this crisis, needing to kill me and the facilitator? What's it going to get you, fuckface? Why are you doing this shit? Jabs, your life will be ruined. Give me some names. Who are your bosses? Who do you work for, asshole? Come on. Time for retribution. Tell me, motherfucker. Maybe we can help. Perhaps you don't have to be tortured and left here for the rats and birds to eat the meat off your bones while you're still alive. Spill your guts. It'll be good for you. It's all a game. He'll make his best deal. And we may kill him anyway. Fucking traitor. He was a plant all along. Ha. Small world. We were on two parallel missions going in different directions. You never know. 